Path to College, Georgia's 529 program, has been so kind to sponsor these episodes that we're doing all about adulting. We started with creating a college fund for Ellie, obviously a Georgia's 529 account. That was step number one. Step number two was learning about life insurance and wills and estate planning and stuff like that. Uh, And then this is episode number three, where we're going to talk about making the proper choices when you start a new job or when you have to pick your benefits. So joining us again is Rebecca Richardson with Atlas Investment Advisors. And we had so many more questions that we had on the table after our first conversation with her because she was so good and the questions were just flowing. So we had to continue. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. This episode is part of our special series on adulting, brought to you by Path to College, Georgia's 529 plan. Rebecca, I'm so glad you're back because there is something that has stumped me. I am not kidding. Every year of my life, Mm -hmm. every year of my life, up until the last couple of years, because I haven't been, I haven't had a full-time job. I haven't had an employer. I never know when I'm filling out that form for my paycheck. Right. Do I, I know up until Ellie, I didn't have any dependents. Right. But what what are the other things? Exemptions or whatever? And the different category, like, how do I fill that out? What's an exemption? Right. And and how does it affect my taxes? So. Or it does affect taxes, right? It does. So when you're filling that form out, usually that's form W-4. You're telling them how much you want to withhold. And honestly, it's funny because people think it's so scary where, oh, I have to check this box correctly or it is scary. You know, they're going to take me to jail or something. But it's it's funny because it really doesn't matter. Um, and so it's interesting because when you're filling that form out, usually you'll just indicate whether you're filing jointly as married couple, whether you're single. Oh, yeah. That's holders. another one where they try to trip you up where they're like married, filing jointly, married, right. filing separately, married. Right. But kind of maybe a little married enough. Right. And so the more exemptions that you claim, the less they're going to withhold. Uh, but some people just think, well, I'll just claim, you know, the maximum number of exemptions so they take less from my paycheck. But at the end of the year, when they file their tax return, they owe a lot more in tax. So usually what we'll do is say, well, sometimes even if you two file jointly, I'll have you on the W-4 indicate that you're single so they will withhold the maximum amount so you don't owe So you anything. get a refund. So yeah. this is like the sorcery. Okay, so this is why <laughs> some people get refunds and some people don't because some people check the boxes aimlessly not knowing what they're doing. And then that winds up costing you, you know, I mean, that's not the only reason, but like, yeah, have them take out more and then that'll be a nice little surprise checkeroo for you. Yeah. So, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, I'm getting this a lot in my paycheck. My net paycheck looks great. And then at the end of the year, they, I had several people this year owe a lot because they just were under withholding. And so that that can be like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And so the reality is that the form, you know, they're not going to come take you to jail if you 
claim exemptions that you shouldn't have or say you're single when you're really married. That The whole point of the form is just to withhold the on appropriate- a, on April 15th, <laughs> the math all works out. On and April 15th, everything works out. But usually if you don't withhold more, you're going to owe. And that that sucks. And so. it's funny because I have had that thought of, oh my God, I'm, I have had the panicked thought of, I am totally going to jail. I am totally <laughs> going to jail if I check the wrong box. So that is Good to know. You've also had that so thought. You are my people. Yes. So good to know. I, I hear a lot of, of clients panic if they get correspondence from the IRS or if they are under withholding. But the reality is you're you're 99.99% most likely not going to go to jail. So I'm sure there are people out there doing things that <laughs> on their taxes that you can absolutely go to jail for, but <laughs> under withholding yeah. on your paycheck is not one of those things. What, what else is there? Anything else that comes to mind related to either start of employment or open enrollment or uh, that period, that window of time that you would recommend an adult look into? Yeah, absolutely. So um, most companies have a 401k plan. So that's a, you know, an account where most people know you can save for retirement and the company will actually match a certain amount into your account if you um, if you fund your account. So if you put 5% in, the company will match 3% or something like that. So I always say, you know, you're leaving money on the table if you're not at least putting enough in to get the match, right? Because then, okay. then you're the right. company's not going to put anything in. Right. You might as well so put in. So it's like in. free money. If yeah, you, you're yeah, so that take money. the free money. Yep. What, um, say your company doesn't match. Yep. Because companies, some companies don't do that. What should you be putting in to a 401k? Like what percentage would you do then? So I think it really comes down to the individual or family's circumstance and cash flow. Um, you know, Saving for retirement is is probably the most important thing um, or way that your money can be working for you, to be honest. But, you know, in some situations, cash flow is just more important. But I would say in general, um, that's really going to just be a personal decision of anything you can put in there. I would say over and above what the company's matching, I would say to put in there. The maximum you can generally put in is around $20,000. Um, so- Per year. Per year. So I would say, you know, the goal in life is to get to maxing out your 401k, right? That's a okay. that's a long-term objective. And anything under that, I think, is is incredible. So whatever you can do to put money aside for So retirement. you put it in there. It sits there. And then when you are hit retirement age, then you can take it out. So you put money in, it goes in, it's a tax deferred account, meaning you're not paying taxes on it today. You'll pay taxes on it when you retire after age 59 and a half is when you can take it out. So I will say again, cash flow is king, right? So if you, I would not put money in your 401k if you think there's a chance you're going to need the money today because you will pay penalties and income taxes on on that money and it's a hefty penalty. So I would say, you know, that money that's going to set aside for retirement mentally, we should be thinking, I'm not going to be able to touch this money for right. a long, long time. Um, so yes, it is tax deferred. So it helps you from a tax perspective when you put put that 
money in. Gal, you and I offline were kind of talking about what is a tax deduction. So 401ks are great to reduce your income tax for this year because when you put money, if I put $20,000 into my 401k and I made $100,000 in my paycheck, I'm only going to pay income tax on 80. So basically you're saying like the government only is like, oh, Rebecca made $80,000 instead of $100,000. So we're only taxing her for $80,000. That's what that means. Right. And the benefit was, well, on that other 20 that I made, it's sitting in an account growing Mm -hmm. for my retirement. I would rather, you know, I try to explain this to my husband when I'm doing our, our tax planning at the end of the year. But I always say to him, would you rather pay this money to the government or would you rather, uh, you know, have this money in our pocket, even if we can't use it now, it's, it's money for our benefit at a later time. So, you know, if you could put $20,000 into a 401k, which is, you know, the maximum, maybe that's not today's goal, but a future goal, it still reduces your income taxes by thousands of dollars. Your um, husband, I assume, doesn't work in the financial industry. Not at all. Cause I would imagine anything you explain to him is, is, like explaining stuff to a toddler. Yes. Like, okay. It's like explaining we have stuff five, to, to me and Jeff. Yeah, we have yes. five Ritz crackers right, right. now. <laughs> and if we put them over here and we don't touch them, we'll have 10 Ritz crackers by dinner. Right. But if you eat three Ritz crackers now, then we won't have any Ritz crackers by dinner. Ellie, how many Ritz crackers? <laughs> right. Yes. And he literally is an engineer. He's worked on literal missiles and rockets, but the man, when it comes to this stuff, cannot, I'm like, you know, for an, for a, a literal rocket, rocket scientist, scientist, your ability to fold the laundry properly and know about taxes. <laughs> Not everybody <laughs> has every skill. Well, let me tell you something. I will, I'm willing to bet that he's screwing up the laundry. On <laughs> okay. Talk to us about HSA, FSA, when you're in that thing and you're like, yeah, okay. Do I choose one? Do I choose both? Which one gets me the credit card thing that I can just charge all my medical expenses on? Like, what's the deal with those? Right. So still kind of in that open enrollment period, you're electing what health insurance option might work best for your family. The health savings account is only eligible for what we call high deductible healthcare plans. So essentially, um, you know, it's still a great insurance plan, but the deductibles are, you know, I don't know the exact number, but let's just say 5,000 and above. And so the HSA allows you to put money. If you have that plan, if you sign up for that specific plan, it comes with the ability to have an account where you can contribute money to, and that money is the best account ever. The HSA is the mecca of all accounts because it's tax-free. When you when you put the money in, you get a tax deduction. When it's sitting in the account, it grows tax-free. And then when you pull the money out, you still don't pay tax. There are virtually no other accounts that work this way from a from a beneficial tax perspective. So if you give that get that option, if you have that option, do it. Do it. But do you ever you were you were saying um earlier that is there one of them has an expiration date, right? Right. So so there's a health savings account that comes with typically a high deductible healthcare plan. And and depending on your employer will depend what they offer. Some employers don't have a HSA option, but they have a medical FSA, which stands for flexible spending account option. That account, you can't have both. 
So it's it's one or the other. And the FSA has a lower contribution amount. So the HSA, you can put like $7,200 in for a family per year and it rolls over to the next year. So if I don't use all of it, it'll roll over. With the FSA, um, it's got a lower contribution amount. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are. I always have to look this up, but it's, you know, somewhere around 2,800 that you can put in for the year and it's use it or lose it. So in that, so why would anyone pick that one? Well, if you have medical expenses, you know, if you're going to the doctor and you're going to use it, it's better to flow it through that account okay. and get the, remember the, the tax deduction. So that's, if I put 2,800 in there, I'm technically reducing my income. I'm going to save money Got on it. taxes. Um, I'd we, rather flow it through that, that depend that. So HSA FSA. is your first choice, but FSA, if you have medical bills, that's a good one too. Because you can't have both, in, right? Or well, you can meaning, ha- you can have both in in alternate years, right? Because we did that. That's why we have both by Remember? accident. No, it was intentional. Oh. We just did, we we just didn't know the difference because before we were trying to get pregnant, we had higher deductible health insurance through your company. Mm-hmm. So we had the HSA one, mm-hmm. which is. We're still using it. Right. We yep. contributed a lot to it. And then once Ellie came along, we changed our health insurance because we knew there would be bills because having a baby costs stuff. Right. And so that's why we have the FSA account. So we have to use – so given that, we use the FSA funds first because they're going away every year. Right. And you can't – so – a. Again, typically you can't have an HSA and an FSA in the same months. Like you can't contribute to. We're right, not. We're only. HSA. We're not contributing to the HSA anymore. Right. So then, yes. So, so we would use the FSA funds. Yes, absolutely. First. first. So what other? Are there any other insurance-related decisions we should be making, either thinking about starting a family or with a young family? The only other thing I would say is short-term disability. So we don't typically recommend short-term disability insurance. So essentially what that covers is for the, usually there's a waiting period for disability insurance. So if you get injured on a job or you can't work, typically there's a a 90-day period where before your long-term policy kicks in. So short-term disability typically isn't really worth the cost in most scenarios because people can usually, if you've got that emergency fund, then you can usually get yourself through that period of 90 days before other insurance takes over. However, if you're planning a family and you're thinking that, you know, you're going to be out on maternity leave, short-term disability can be really good for that because it can give you essentially, um, you know, depending on the policy, it can give you multiple weeks off essentially, or pay you for multiple weeks that you're out on short-term disability if you had a C-section or... Is there a chance that that just comes with your job, like that your job just offers it? Because I'm pretty sure that mine... Okay, so I had short-term disability and that kicked in. They walked me through it and I can't remember it now, but when I had my C-section at work, it was part of something that was offered. So if it's not offered through your job, then you have to go buy it yourself. And you're recommending right now, if you don't have that at your work, to buy it if you're going if you know you're gonna be or not buying it. I'm recommending if it if it's part of your employer's plan and they're 
whether they cover the full cost or whether you've got to put some money towards the premiums, you know, for Mm -hmm. a, a short period of time, I'm recommending going with the employer sponsored plan. Um, I don't know that it's worth going out and just getting short-term insurance. Got it. Liability insurance. But if the company offers it, yes. There are stipulations with it where you've got to use your PTO, all of your PTO before it kicks in. So every family and every plan is different, but the only, really the biggest scenario where I see short-term disability be a really effective use of insurance is if you're expecting to start a family and you can't sign up once you're already pregnant. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking that you're going to, you know, you're trying, then now may be a good time to sign up for it. And it's relatively inexpensive if I remember. Right. It's only a couple bucks a paycheck. Exactly. And so if you think about it, cost benefit, the cost is relatively low, but if they're going to pay for, for an extra week of your pay, well, Heck that, yeah. That's kind of nice. Free like, paycheck. For- <laughs> right. I mean, not free, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. All right. Anything else that we're missing out on? Honestly, I think the the thing that I've seen um, that people I think are, are wouldn't maybe think of is if you have a big hospital bill after you've had a baby or really for any reason, um, consider calling the hospital's billing department and asking um what your options are. I've seen hospitals negotiate the bills down significantly. I've seen them put people on payment plans where it's 0% interest. I've seen hospitals really work with clients in that regard. And so, you know, if you just had a baby and you've got a big hospital bill and you hadn't funded your HSA to pay um, for all the costs of of being in the hospital, then I say, you know, just reach out and ask. It it can't hurt to to call and just ask the question. And a lot of times, you know, they'd rather get something than nothing. So to call and just because their pricing the is based on the fact that they think most people are going to have insurance covering it. So they're expecting the insurance companies to write the check. And when you're not, when it's not the company and it's right. you, maybe they're a little more willing to work something Absolutely. out. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine whose wife had a baby um, at a hospital, obviously. And he went down to the, you know, on the day that she was checking out, he went, he went down to the, the office and they handed him the clipboard right. and, it, and it said, whatever, $30,000. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they asked him for all of his insurance, your copies of all of his insurance stuff. And he said, I'm I'm not putting this on insurance. I don't have insurance. Um, I want to pay cash. And they said, oh, okay, hold on a minute. Took the clipboard back, typed in some stuff in the computer, handed him another one, and it was like 14000 Right. Because... He was just going to take out a credit card and right. put it on a credit card or whatever. However he was paying for it, it went down by over 50%. Right. It's all black magic. So I always say, I just mean, ask, you know, right? just ask. It's, it's so worth it. And a lot of times they'll work with you. I've had clients have heart attacks and have massive bills. After they got the bill. Yeah, probably another heart attack after they got the bill. But, you know, call and just negotiate it down thousands and thousands of dollars in savings just just for calling. So um, that's a huge recommendation. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. This episode was presented by Path to College, Georgia's 529 plan. For more information, visit callieandjeff.com slash college. And remember, it's never too late to start adulting. 
Learn more about Rebecca by going to invest-atlas.com. And if you want to learn more about starting a college savings program for the important little person in your life, no matter how little they are, even if they're a teenager, it's not too late. Text the word college to 800-434-5454 or go to callieandjeff.com slash college. Thank you to Path to College, Georgia's 529 program for sponsoring these episodes on adulting.